present anatomy through a biblical lens. Got my coffee with me. Today's a good day. Let's get going. We like to start the show with prayer requests. And if you've listened to the show before, you know the email, prayer at erretphysiology.com. You know, it's funny, I transcribe each of these podcasts and I've gone through two companies now in their software. One didn't work out so well. The other one is so far working out really well, but it's still a long process to transcribe. And it's funny, as often as I say error at, how many different versions of that word uh, these transcription services come up with. Um, it's, it's interesting, but as I mentioned in the very first episode, uh, Ararat, in case you're wondering and you haven't listened to the first episode, comes from Mount Ararat, specifically the mountains of Ararat uh, in Genesis of the Bible. I would encourage you to go look that up if there is any confusion on that and where that comes from. For us, it symbolizes a new beginning and a new start to this business and our venture, and we're really excited about that. But on to the benefit of what you'll get out of this podcast. That's what's important, right? And by the end of this podcast, I believe you'll have a better understanding of how the male brain is affected by external stimuli. This one speaks loud to me and many of my friends uh, that I have very intimate experiences with in my life in terms of understanding what affects us as men and what struggles that we go through. From my experience, women generally don't understand that experience as well. So if you're a sister listening to this podcast, I hope that I can shed some light on what the men in your life experience on a daily, um, probably more accurately, hourly basis. Uh, maybe even more often than that in this current society. And I'll do my best to describe how that is similar to maybe something you might experience as a woman. And uh, speaking from a male perspective, that's highly going to be scholastically based because I don't have the anecdotal experience of a woman. There will be some anecdotal experience there in as I've received input from women in my life throughout my adult life. Uh, that I'll speak through their experiences, but most of what I'm speaking to comes directly from uh, scholastic research, books, and whatnot. So again, who are we here to serve? Men ages 20 to 40. Now those numbers aren't hard fast. I mentioned this in a men's group that I'm in on Wednesday mornings, and two of the guys just started laughing, and they're north of 40, so they said, well, I guess I'm out. Uh, But what we talk about affects men of all different ages. 20 to 40 seems to be a hot spot, but there are plenty of men younger and plenty of men older that experience a lot of these issues. So we are narrowing our focus to men ages 20 to 40, but certainly hope that if you're outside of that parameter that you give our show a listen. Uh, These men that we are speaking to have felt persecuted at some point in their life over their God-given qualities. So through our anecdotal experiences, like we'll talk about today, as well as our experience in the field of anatomy, and most importantly, the scholastic truth of the Bible, we aim to increase male performance, and we teach how God's word impacts every facet of our lives. In short, we want to talk about the problems. We want to talk about the issues uh, that men experience in today's society. But more importantly than that, we want to focus on how we can resolve that or how we can handle 
life in this day and age, how we can increase our performance, whether that be spiritual performance, sexual performance, mental performance, athletic performance, you name it, you'll never meet a man that says he wants lower performance in any area of his life. So with our knowledge in anatomy, as well as our growing knowledge of the biblical truth that exists, we're here to show how male performance of many different kinds can be achieved often through some very simplistic methods. We do this because we're faced with a problem of societal influence outweighing biblical influence. This leads to the succumbing to the evil tactics intended to destroy us. I think that all of you listening are aware of that. You see what society looks like outside of your house, and uh, there are some stronghold intentions there against us. We serve brothers and thereby sisters with authenticity in the midst of change ourselves through our calling and ministry as teachers relating the often opposed subjects of anatomy in the Bible. Uh, through the title of this episode and every episode, along with reading that section, Ministry and Teachers, I like to refer back to the Bible, specifically Ephesians 4.11. There are five primary uh, gifts that are given for each of us to fulfill. And uh, some of us have talents in multiple areas. Some of us are more polar or strong in one area. But I think for each of you listening, I think it's important to look up Ephesians 4.11 uh, as well as any time we reference the Bible to garner better application for your life. Today we're going to be talking about Mark 10, 6 through 9. But before that, I'd like to share with you kind of a broad story. No one specific event in my life, uh, but a specific lesson or set of lessons that I've learned over time. And I highlight this as sort of called succumbing to the attraction. If you're a man... Sometime around the age of 13, 14, 15, pubescent period of life, your mind changes, your actions change, and you become very visually driven. Now, this is different than learning. Uh, there are visual learners, there are kinesthetic learners, there are auditory learners. By the way, if you want to find out more about your learning style, send us an email and I have a PDF that I've created about the three main learning styles that I can send to you. You can also find that through our email list on our website also. But nevertheless, regardless of what learning style you are, you have a strong visual component. And it's the way that these optic tracks and optic nerves connect with the brain and that area of the brain and the development of the brain on the male side. We'll talk more about that here in a little bit after we introduce Mark 10, 6 through 9. But here in our story portion of this, I just want to highlight that that's fact. That men change how they visually input different things. Uh, here's kind of a silly analogy. If you've ever purchased a car and then all of a sudden you notice that car everywhere um, and you never noticed it before, it's kind of the same way here. Uh, before puberty, you never noticed the female form in any specific way. But after puberty, all of a sudden, you are heightened to it. And if you're not careful, it can take you down a path. And most men, probably 95 plus percent, I think some statistics say as high as 98, 99% of men kind of go down this path and end up dabbling in things they shouldn't, like pornography. When I went down this path, and I dabbled in pornography and became addicted 
to that attraction to the female form, it was a very difficult process for me to get out of because, you know, I'd watch a video that I shouldn't be watching and I would have the shame associated with it and I'd pray and I'd, I'd think, okay, I, I've got a grip on this and I'm not going to make that mistake again. And then I would simply drive down the road and halfway between me and work, I would see a billboard with a half naked lady on it. All of a sudden the cycle is perpetually stimulated right? Now a woman driving down the road that sees that billboard, she might roll her eyes and say like, why do we do this with women? Why do we cast them in that way? Um, but a lot of us have become desensitized to it. So we just drive past the billboard and there's no effect, especially on the female side. On the male side, to someone that's in addiction in terms of their struggle with the female form outside of marriage, I'd be clear on that outside of marriage, there are many things outside of our doors that can cause us issues, cause us uh, sort of a, what's the word? Um, I'm not thinking of the correct word right now, but sort of falling back into old patterns. And even inside your house, depending on what channels you allow to come through your TV, or even if you allow a TV to be in your household, that's a window to the outside world. And Lots of times you can simply be watching what you think is a harmless TV show and the commercials come on and there's a half-naked woman on the majority of commercials these days and you're provoked again. I talked with many men throughout my adult life that struggle with these very things and that's how they view this is uh, it's, it's, it's like being empathetic to someone that has a food addiction. You can't escape it. You have to eat, right? Um, and if you're mobile, if you're driving anywhere, it's less than a few miles before you pass a McDonald's or a Subway or any of the fast food chains that are after our hard-earned dollar. So for me, later in life, I made the connection that, you know, this is something that I feel like a victim and I feel like I can't get away from this. I feel like I have to hide in my closet to not be imposed by all of these triggers. And if I have my phone with me, that's no good because the phone is just like the TV. It's a window to the outside world. Now, there are really cool softwares out there. The most popular one that I've heard is called Covenant Eyes. If you struggle with this currently, I would highly suggest that you look them up. I'm actually not affiliated with them. They're on my to-do list to become an affiliate through them, but I'm not currently affiliated with them. But regardless of my affiliation status with them, uh, I would encourage you to check it out. It's, it's a software that limits what you can access on your phone, and it sends an accountability message to someone close to you if you do access that. And we as men, we need, we need accountability. Uh, a, a lot of times we'll say, oh, we're going to do this and we'll get better. But if there's no level of accountability, we're oftentimes going to fall off the wagon. And I learned this primarily through my Pure Desire group. So if you're struggling with this currently, look up Pure Desire Ministries. They have groups across the nation, even online groups. It's about a year-long program, and it significantly helped me get past the hurdles that I faced at that time. There are hurdles that I face now too, but they don't affect me in the same way, often because of what I relate in Mark 10, 6 through 9, and some of my recommendations that I'll provide throughout this podcast.
One thing that uh, I'll finish the story with that was very enlightening to me going through that Pure Desire group is that I learned that my addiction, and it may sound weird for you to hear uh, pornography and, and that sort of thing turned into the word uh, addiction, like an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction, but the way it affects our brain neurologically, it truly is an addiction. It's a dopamine flooding throughout your brain that gives you that feel-good response that you crave and you want over and over and over again. It's the same process of eating uh, a fast food cheeseburger that you really enjoy. It's the same thing about a certain type of uh, beverage that you enjoy, energy drink or adult beverage or whatever. It's the same sort of process that you give the brain what it wants. It gives you that good feeling and then it quickly dissipates. And so what do you have to do? You have to repeat the process. And when you have to repeat the process to get that dopamine response that you're after, that by definition is an addiction. And so addiction to the female form, as I like to say, it may not be pornography for all people. I've met men that have never watched pornography, but they have trouble even flipping through a magazine without seeing the female form and being stimulated by that. So, you know, a lot of women that I've spoke to in my life, get offended by this because they say, well, great. Now you're telling us what we can wear and what we can't wear and do this and do this. And how am I supposed to cover up my female form? It's the gift that God's given me. It's, it's part of my design and that's all true, but there needs to be awareness of what men and women struggle with. And I'd love to listen to a podcast, read a book, watch a show on what women's current struggles are. And if you are a woman and you'd like to share your experience with me, please email me. And I'd love to hear about what some of your experiences are and your struggles are that we as men can do better to help support you in that. And get rid of the conversation of, well, this is conditional. If he does this, I do this. And if I do this, he does this. It's about supporting each other, especially within the confines of a marriage or the confines of a family. But back on track with my story, I learned in the Pure Desire group that my addiction didn't just affect me. It permeated throughout my house uh, in the way that I behaved on a daily basis. And an analogy that I've often heard that I think is very applicable and makes sense to me to get this message through is if you are the man of the house, if you're the father of the house, what are you going to allow in? If you keep that door shut, that front door shut and locked, and you don't let the devil into your house, you're doing your job. You're protecting your family. But by watching pornography and doing whatever, we crack and sometimes blast open that front door and basically tell the devil, yeah, come on in. This is your playground. Do whatever you'd like to do. And that is our, our job as men is to protect our families, to keep that door shut and to be vigilant about it. You know, many men that I've spoken to that have this addiction, that have this problem, if you ask them, do you want this for your kids? Of course they say no. Do you want to hurt your wife? Of course they say no. But very few men understand how much their personal addiction is not personal at all. It affects everyone that they know, whether they see it or not. And for years, I didn't see it. And I was letting the door hang wide open all the time. I never shut it. I said, come on in, devil. Do what you'd like in here. And people around me either also developed their own addictions and succumbed to things because of my influence that was improper, or there was just area uh, for that 
influence to occur when I could have limited it and just shut the door and sort of keep things as they as they should be. Now, I'm not saying that uh, we as men have some supernatural power to prevent anyone in our house from being affected. If they go out into this world, they're going to have their struggles, they're going to have their temptations, and all those sorts of things. But let's not limit the role that we have as men, which is what our society does. It says that we're not valuable and we really don't have as vital a role as we think that we do. And that's that's just a flat out lie. I'll mention one last thing before we move on to Mark 10, 6 through 9. Uh, Wednesday morning in men's group, I had a brother uh, talk a lot about temptation versus sin. And he wanted to get across that temptation itself isn't a sin. A lot of us as men uh, see a half-naked woman and we have that temptation and we feel awful about ourselves. We can't control whether she's going to wear that or not or if she's going to walk on that particular part of your drive to work or that billboard's going to be there. That's all outside of our control. It's wrong for us to want her to change. It's wrong for us for uh, us to want her to take a different route or for that billboard to not exist. Uh, that's outside of our control. What is within our control is to see that temptation and turn away. So if we do that properly, temptation is not a sin. Temptation is going to exist. It's a test for us throughout our entire lives in living in this world. But the moment that that stare becomes a multiple second stare and there becomes thought patterns that start thinking about other things, now we're sinning. Now we're sliding down that slope into sin. And so I think for those of you that struggle with, uh, you see something and you instantly feel awful about yourself, I would encourage your encourage you to provide yourself some grace. You can't stop that individual from being there. You can't stop that billboard from being there. What you can stop is your thought processes. And you can stop that temptation from working its way into your brain and manifesting as sin. I think Mark 10, 6 through 9 really highlights some very critical, important things for men, specifically Christian men. So Mark 10, 6 through 9 reads, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. There's some golden nuggets in there that we can really anchor our foundation of our house and our lives on. Let me point out the first God made them male and female. Here is the portion of the podcast that I'd like to kind of shed some light, especially for the female listeners, on how the male brain is affected from a physiological standpoint, how the anatomy of the brain is affected from a physiological standpoint in the male brain, and how that's different from how it's affected in the female brain. If you survey the majority of men, and we talk about that billboard or that commercial or whatever, oftentimes we allow that temptation to perpetuate in our brains and affect our brain in a way that guides our actions thereafter. There's a center part of the brain called the diencephalon, and I forget exactly where the amygdala is in relationship to that, but it's in this general vicinity. And the amygdala is associated with uh, this, this input, this visual input and subsequent activation. 
for the female listeners, let me give you an analogy. The way the brain responds in the male brain to a commercial that is inappropriate, even a commercial that is what most people would deem is appropriate, but there's um, suggested advances, there's too much cleavage that's being shown, there's the highlighting the female form, anything in that ballpark can be very stimulating for a man. Uh, it's analogous or similar to the way that a woman who has someone they care about, the way they feel when they are touched, even just a hug or a touch on the shoulder or holding of hands or those sorts of things. Research has shown that the response that women feel when someone important with them uh, touches them in that way is a similar response to how a man feels when he is exposed to that visual stimulus. Well, let's not jump into as men this victim mindset on boohoo us and this and that, but let's highlight how dangerous that can be. Um, we don't have people running around just touching people. And even if we did, those people haven't developed connections with those women. But for a man, it's not limited to just a certain percentage of people that could touch them and affect them in a certain way. It's from when you wait, open your eyes in the morning to when you close them at night. You, your windows to your soul are now open for anything that could possibly peer its way in. And so in that way, this addiction becomes very strong rooted for men in a way that oftentimes women don't fully understand because they don't experience it. And that's no fault of them. Like if we don't experience it ourselves, how can we truly understand? But hopefully through talks like this, as well as some books that I'm going to recommend here a little bit later, the women in your lives will better understand what you struggle with on a daily basis. And furthermore, Hopefully there will be at a level of an appreciation when you overcome this and you conquer this because they realize to an extent how difficult this was for you to do. Again, our other option is to do nothing and we keep the door of our house completely open to the manifestation of sin throughout our house and throughout all members of our house. And we already discussed that that's not an option for us. None of us want this to be a multi-generational sin. None of us want this for our children. None of us want this for our spouse. None of us want this for any member of our family. So we've got to do something about it. Is it fair? No. Are there things that we all as men wish would change in our society? Certainly. But that's all outside of us. We cannot control that. All we can do is take responsibility for our actions, responsibility for our addiction and what we've done in the past, and responsibility for what we're going to do in the future. But God made them male and female. Clearly, he made them different. Now, as we see later in Mark 10, 6 through 9, he made them one flesh as they come together. And that's critical as well because of what we're called to do as men uh, in that. But in the beginning, he made them male and female. We are different. Look at any two-year-old boy versus two-year-old girl. It's not very difficult to tell that there is a difference and that there are only two genders. Okay, uh, I understand that that's a polar statement to make in 2023, but it's a truthful statement to make in any year of human existence. There are two genders. They are different. Hopefully, we can better understand our opposite gender in a way that can be supportive to them. Next section is leave his father and mother. 
I see this a lot in my personal life as well as uh, stories that I hear from other people. A lot of times marriage does not mean for certain people a uh, cutting ties with their parents, and nor should it. We are always to honor our father and mother. Um, I will always have a very close relationship with my dad. Um, why don't I follow that up with mother as well? Well, listen to previous episodes and you'll find out that I've talked to my mom 10 times since I was like 11 years old. Um, which kind of helps explain a little bit why I've stumbled and struggled in the areas that I've struggled. But nevertheless, it's my responsibility to get over it. It's my responsibility to make sure that this doesn't become a multi-generational sin and that uh, it ends with me as hard as that may be. But the Bible calls us to leave our father and mother. Still calls us to respect them, but we're no longer living in their house. We're no longer reliant on them for financial support. We're no longer um, calling them when we have a conflict with our spouse to see what their opinion is. You and your spouse are no one flesh. It is up to you to handle this together. I'm not promoting that we sort of divorce our fathers and mothers. Uh, There shouldn't be division in the midst of a family, but there should be sort of a hierarchy on what you take care of. First and foremost, your role with God is paramount. Second to that would be your role with your wife. Third to that would be your role with your children. And then outside of that periphery would be all the other types of relationships that a a man has in his life with family and friends. Clearly, the Bible is calling us to keep this separate and have a distinct difference in what uh, the way we behave in these different types of relationships, at least is the way that I see it. Perhaps I'm providing too much commentary here, and I don't like to do that, but this is how I perceive this passage and many others in the Bible. What is our example? Our example is pretty clear as well. It is how Jesus loved the church and Jesus loves the church. This is how we are supposed to love our wives. The end of this section of scripture ends with let not man separate. Again, what are you going to let inside your house? If you're going to keep the door open to any degree, you are allowing sin to come inward and for that possibility for man to separate what you have built. If you keep that door shut, you keep that door locked, you remain vigilant, you are protecting your family to the best of your ability. We, as we have been since day one, are self-sponsored, erratphysiology.com. We do not want you as the listener whether brother or sister, pummeled with advertisements that probably don't serve you. They probably have nothing to do with what you're interested in. Uh, So what we would hope that you do is support us if you find our message to be valuable. Uh, There's many things and services that we offer. You can navigate that by going to erratphysiology.com and you can sort of determine how you can best support us or how we can continue to serve you in a in a larger role than just this podcast. I mentioned a lead magnet earlier, the visual auditory kinesthetic learning style sheet. We also have built all the Bible verses pertaining to human anatomy. 
and it was over 300 pages, 400 pages, something like that. Uh, I'm actually in the process with uh, Crossway, who governs the ESV translation to get permission on uh, publishing what we want to publish. Again, it's a free resource. We're not trying to make money off of it. Um, but if, you, if you're interested in that, email us and we'd be happy to send that to you uh, so you can better understand how the Bible and anatomy are not antagonistic. They are synchronous. Email that we use most often for that sort of correspondence is hello at erratphysiology.com. Before we conclude with the Lord's Prayer, let's do a take-home message. This is something that I'm adding new today, and I'm going to feel this out, and I think I'm going to continue it as we go on. But I started with a benefit on what you were going to learn through this podcast. And for many of us, we're in our cars, we can't take notes, and we're struggling to remember different points and how we can apply this and resources and those sorts of things. If you look at your show notes, there's going to be a lot of this information present. There's going to be a lot of links that you can utilize to help you through books and those sorts of things. But if I was to end this show with some bullet points for you to end this in a way that you can keep this in your head until you get to work and you can write them down or whatever the case is, it would be these. So the first would be understand your physiological limitations. Don't try and fight who you are. You are created in God's image. He breathed life into you, and this is how you're, you're built. Part of this in your human experience is a test. Embrace that test. Honor your wife first and foremost. Her flesh, once you're married, is more valuable than your flesh. You are called to love her like Jesus loved the church. You put her first and foremost in 10 out of 10 examples and by doing this hard work, you're again showing her in just another way how much you love her. I haven't directly referenced these books yet, but they will be in the show notes. There are two books on the topic that I would recommend highly. One is called For Men Only and the other one's called For Women Only. Uh, this is a husband and wife pair that have written books for the opposite gender so that uh, men understand their wives better from a physiological standpoint and women understand uh, their husbands better from a physiological standpoint. So if you've been interested in this podcast and this talk, uh, those books take a far deeper dive than what we take in these 30, 40 minutes, and I'd highly recommend them. Again, they're in the show notes. Just click on the link there. It'll take you to Amazon and you can purchase the book. Third thing, think about the attack upon your limitations. You should be offended by this. You should be offended that society is trying to attack something that you're vulnerable in, something that you, excuse me for that response. I thought that I had my um, computer set on do not disturb. Apparently I didn't. But nevertheless, you should be offended by these limitations. Uh, not, not the limitations that you have, I'm sorry, but be offended by the attack on the limitations that you have. Uh, it's like a wounded animal that is continually being attacked based on its weakness. But only if that offense helps you get better and not fall into a victim mindset. We don't want that. That gets us nowhere, and it just exacerbates the issue. Fourth thing, harness proper avoidance. Generally, avoidance is not a good thing, but in this instance, 
what I would recommend you do, because it's something that I do, is try to take that temptation and immediately push it into avoidance. If I see something that could be stimulating to me, I immediately direct my eyes towards something that is going to kind of get me focused again. Okay, if I'm in a car, uh, I kindly pull over the vehicle, turn on a podcast, turn on the Bible, whatever the case is, get back on track. It seems like a big effort, but it's really not. Another thing I do at home when I'm watching TV, if there's a commercial that comes on that could be provoking to me, I simply change the channel. If it's a recording, I fast forward through. Uh, At the very least, I cover my eyes like I'm a six-year-old boy at home and my parents are telling me to cover my eyes during this part of the movie. I treat it that same way. And from what I've heard from my wife, it's been very profound and uh, she's thankful that I do that. It shows her how much she means to me uh, and how I only have eyes for her. Fifth thing, follow the straight and narrow. You know this. My brother, open your Bible, get into God's word, look at Mark 10, 6 through 9. Look at the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Look at Ephesians 4, 11. Help yourself understand who you are, what you're supposed to do in this world, in this life, and don't let this limitation and this addiction take over your life because it will. Let's conclude with the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.